like to follow along with more than I'd be reading the Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, chapter 6, verse 6. Train up your child in the way he should go. And when he, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Good morning, everyone. Glad you could be a part of our service this morning. And you had the opportunity to run last week when you saw my name in the bulletin. So I appreciate that you are here with us this morning. There's a story goes that a young couple got buried and her request was that I will marry you to her husband if you promise me one thing, that my mother gave me a little box. If you promise me that you'll never open it or ask me what's in this box, I will marry you. He says, well, I can go with that. That's, that's fair enough. Well, they enjoyed many years together. They raised their family. They passed the 20-year mark, the 30-year mark, the 40-year mark, and the 50-year mark. This man's wife became ill. She had to stay in the hospital. He came home that night, and he got to thinking, that box up in the closet, what if I need to see in it? What if there's something in there that I need to know? What if I'd lose my wife? What would happen? So curiosity got to him. He went to the top of the closet and he opened a little brown box. There was two rag dolls, $95,000 cash. He says, oh my goodness, what have I done now? Now I have to face her in the morning when I go see her and tell her what I had done. Next morning, he eagerly got to the hospital. He says, honey, I need to confess something to you. He said, all this promise I made you all these years, I've got upset. I was torn up that I might lose you. I got into the little box. And she says, yes, honey, that's all right. What did you find? I found two rag dolls. She says, my mother told me when we got married, she gave me this little box. And she said, if you ever upset me, that I not argue with you, that I go to another room where it's quiet and I make rag dolls. He says, well, honey, I understand that. I guess that's pretty good that I only upset you twice in 50 years. She goes, hmm. He says, you mind if I ask you what the $95,000 was? She says, honey, that's where I've been selling rag dolls. <laughs> you know, we in a situation in a different world today, people, about training our children. What does it mean about training our children? If somebody asked you what it meant to train, what would you tell them? I believe in my heart it doesn't mean but one thing, that we must teach our children. This morning, the lesson I bring to you that it will be from the Bible and it will be from the heart. And Ola and I have raised our children. We enjoyed our grandchildren. And I'm so thankful to this day that we instilled into them the love of God, God's word. And yes, one is so far south from us and one is so far north from us. 
But as you hear and know and see the things that they do, it makes you melt your heart to know that they have followed God and know that God is the answer. In Proverbs 22, 6, Solomon's advice to us is this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know what seems so simple, but overwhelmingly complicated verse, it's one of the most quoted and often misquoted verses in the Bible. Yes, raising and training a child means that it begins with the Bible. That's the number one thing. Young people, I cannot condemn, con I've lost my verse, I cannot approve of y'all no more than what you're doing this morning. I cannot be so happy knowing that in your hearts you have put your children here with God. You have been that example. If you raise them, let them see you, and you got them to class this morning. I promise you and I assure you, you will never regret that. You never will be sad that you raised them up in the love and admonition of the Lord. Never take that for granted and never forget about that. I know it's hard to raise a child. I know at times you think you'll never get them raised. But I know in your hearts, y'all, we're in a different world today. But there's one thing that has not changed one bit, and that's God's word. What he told us thousands of years ago about raising children, it still stands for today. Yes, you can go and find different versions of the Bible and it tells you some of the opposite things. It's so sad. But as you get the Bible and you read it, you study these Bibles. Young people, don't let them train you something that's not true. As long as your mother and father are teaching you God's word and doing that, then you're okay. When you feel in your heart that it's not them or someone else, then you question it. Don't be ashamed of God's word. Never. Don't be ashamed to live God's word, to be that example that he wants you to be. Nowhere in the Bible that I can find, parents, that you must get your children the best of everything. Nowhere in the Bible can I see that it tells you that these material things is the number one. No, it's not there. Yes, it's okay to help them and to teach them on getting things, but to appreciate them. But what's in there is in telling you that you must raise and teach your children the way to go in life, that when they leave this world, that they have that hope for eternal life with thee in heaven. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, it tells us all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God and is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and in righteousness that man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything we need to know, mothers, fathers, grandparents, is in this Bible. It tells us. It tells us everything we need to know. When we get down and we don't know the answer, look in it. Be patient, because you will find the answer you need. In Psalms 127.3, the Bible tells us that children are a reward from God, a gift only God can give. 
In fact, the value that God placed on teaching our children the truth is clearly addressed by Moses, who stressed to his people the importance of teaching their children about the Lord and his commandments and laws. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, it says, In these words which I command you shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That's how important it is. It's telling you wherever you go, whatever you do with your children, that's so important that you let them know, that you keep it in their hearts. You know, I'm so thankful that my grandfather knew the truth. I'm so thankful that he handed it down to his eight children. And I'm so thankful that my father heeded the warning and listened to him and that my dad, taught, my dad taught it to us. You see, and many of you didn't know this, my mother was Adventist. She was a nurse down at the old hospital. It's a nursing home now. When my dad found my mother. But right off the bat and through that, I don't know when he converted my mother and changed her. But I'm so thankful for it. Because from a very early age that I can only remember sitting in the auditorium at the Portland congregation when the nursery was behind you, you had the glasses behind you, and the babies would do there. I can remember my ears being twisted and my jaws being squeezed because I turned around and made faces at the baby. I just wanted to laugh. But I also remember that every single Sunday morning, that was a part of our life. And I knew that's where I had to be. I knew I was raised up with a group of kids and all these babies that are born now makes me think back. There was eight or nine of us that was the same age. We all came up together from the beginning to the end. And sealed into us was God's word. You know, my dad was a man of a few words, but you listened to my dad. Yes, I miss my dad, I miss my mother, I miss my grandparents. I didn't get to know one of my grandfathers, but my grandfather, Ed, that lives south of here at Buck Lodge, he didn't want running water in his house. They barely got him electricity to put a refrigerator in there. He never wanted an electric a stove. He had one light bulb in every room and they fixed him up with one electrical plug. And that plug was for a radio. But what he did have, and I think about it every time I go, every single trip I made with my dad, if he wasn't out in the fields, he was sitting in his chair in a little podium in front of him, and there was the Bible. Every single trip brothers and sisters. That's what Grandpa did. He knew his Bible. He loved the Bible and he loved God. 
And I see now why he sealed it into everybody's mind, all his children's. Yes, all of them didn't follow the truth. I was raised to know the truth, and I thank God for that. And I thank my daddy and my mother. My upbringing was wonderful. I would not change my childhood for anything. Yes, it was times it was rough. I didn't understand why I had to do the chores. And I see kids down the road on their bicycles and playing. I didn't understand why we had to work so hard in the fields. But as I grew, old, grew older, I realized that my dad had it worse than me. Each time, parents, you want things a little easier for your children, and I understand that. But whether we were in the fields or where we were at, I think about the, where it sit on the gates and on the house posts and the walls. You know, Dad always had that Christian love that he showed us. You know that I was raised with 10 brothers and sisters. Yes, it was, you didn't understand it coming up. I thought they were all my full sisters. But things happen and scriptures show that you have a right to, to marry and remarry. But I had five half sisters. And I had two full brothers and I had two full sisters. I can remember only eight of us the most because two of them was done grown and left. But this other eight that came up together, two was married shortly after I can remember them. But us six was six peas in a pod, if we rose up you want to say. We loved each other, we knew each other, we respected our mother and dad. The worst thing I ever seen my older sisters do, young people, is I remember getting on the school bus. My older sisters loved to wear skirts. I don't know why, but they loved to wear skirts till I got older. And Joella can be a part of this because she's the same age with one of my sisters, and I remember Joella many times together coming over in the Girl Scouts with my sisters. But my sisters would get on the school bus. You did not see their knees. There was knees, was nowhere to be seen. You see, my daddy raised my sisters to be ladies. You listen to me, young people. And he raised his boys to be gentlemen. And he would have had a fit today if he knew what those, his daughters were doing. But they would get on that bus and then I'll be sitting by a window, and when they get off, when they get off, you'd see their kneecap. That was it. You see the skirt they could roll up. They didn't want the skirts to be that long. They wanted to fit in. Young people, you don't have to fit in. Be yourself. Don't let that world get a hold of you. Yes, that's the worst thing I can ever say that they did. And it went on. They graduated and went on. They were faithful members of the church as they was raised up. Somewhere along the line, 
we lose some of them. But the childhood is what I want to share with you, y'all, that I'll never forget that. Never forget that. And it means so much what you're doing right now. And never let go of that, no matter hard things may seem. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, And you fathers do not, no, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Christian training must be kind when it's pleasing to God and helps the child become pleasing to God. Dear folks and parents, this is not a promise to parents who raise their children properly, but a warning to those who allow their children to grow up without guidance, who raise them to go their own way. Children left to their own way are not likely to change. They'll become adults who go their own way. More likely, it's the wrong way. In Proverbs 22:15, it says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. He obviously recognized that children don't tend to make the right choice on their own. Our children are going to learn about the world around them and the, their role that they're in it. Dear parents, grandparents, if they don't learn from us, they're going to learn from somebody else. And please heed that warning. It's our responsibility to use our time with our children wisely. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us in offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Dear folks, this encourages me and reminds me of that how I'm supposed to live and love and that children are in the parents' care and looking for an example. Young people, as long as you're under the roof of your mother and dad, your grandparents, those that love you, you go by their rules. It's just as simple as that. Don't be mad at them. Don't upset with them. You see, there. did you ever think that your mom and daddy was ever little? Or did you just remember them being big and your parents? You see, a lot of times they don't let you do the things that you want to do or go the places that you want to go. And one reason of that is because they're going right down the same road you did. I'm not saying that they made a mistake, but if the encouragement's out there and the pressure on them, and they realize and see that, they don't want you to have that neither. So don't get upset with them. Don't get discouraged with them because more likely they've been down that road and seen what's happening. And now the pressure that's on them that y'all show with them sometimes that you try to tell them is entirely different than that. So listen, listen to them. Don't get upset with them, young people. Listen to your mom and dad. And mom and dad, Teach them at a young age, a very young age. To train a child is to teach a child. How can we teach our children to be loving and God-fearing people? Proverbs 3.12, one way we can is to discipline. Oh, I know now you're knocking on a lot of people's, a lot of people's backs when you say that. You know, Proverbs 3.12, it tells us that the Lord disciplined those he loves. 
Proverbs 29, 15, it says, A rod and a reprimand gives wisdom, but a child left under discipline or to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29, 17 says, Correct your son and he'll give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Proverbs 22, 15 tells, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. In Proverbs 23, 13, do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Young folks, mothers and fathers, know the Bible is not telling you that you particularly come out and beat your kids. No, he's just telling you it's so important. It's so important that you instill into their little minds when they're little the way that they should go. You know, my son told his sister something that I'll never forget. She told on her brother. But then it says, Daddy, James said that he'd rather for you to whip him because it hurts for a while that it's gone. But he didn't like for me to, to scold him, to stare at him, to ground him. To look at me in the eyes and say that, son, that you hurt me. You hurt your daddy. I still love you, but you hurt me. So she just opened up a can of worms for me. I, I didn't have to use the whipping and the beating. The way I looked at him, the way I talked to him, even though it was in a loving way, he knew he hurt his dad. You know, there are ways that we can teach our children train our children. Sometimes, brother, we have to go a little harder than just talking. I know that to this day, if you pulled into the old farm place of, of the house stood on our farm, there is a yellow phosphithia. I think I said that right. They're beautiful right now. But that was mother switch bush. I tried for years to kill it with the tractor and run it over it. <laughs> But you never forget, and I don't today because you turn in, and there it is. It's all over the place. Mama just put one out and stick it in the ground, it takes off. But she would send us out there to pick our switch. And dear folks, you better get one long enough because she would come out there again. You know, young people, have you ever had your mouth washed out with soap? Have you ever heard of that? One tape but one time. Mother asked me if I would go to her down the road to one of the ladies she knew. They had a son that was three or four years older than me. And he said a word. I had no idea, but he said it every time something didn't go his way. It was a few days after that. I was in the yard, and I not knowing mother was close to me. I said that word. Here she come. It was like a samurai warrior out of that. She grabbed me. I don't think my feet ever touched the ground before she got to the kitchen sink. She set me up on the kitchen sink. She said, son, where'd you hear that? And I told him the name, and she said, you'll never go down there again. But what that was, a dirty word. And she grabbed that bar of soap, and she put that in my mouth, and she said, spit. And I spit it out. And she put it in my mouth again. And to this day, dear children, 
I taste soap. <laughs> and if I ever thought through my life again when I was at home, if I was going to say a dirty word, I'd make sure mother was not around. <laughs> if I even thought it might be dirty, I didn't let my mother be around. But that was a lesson that stuck into me, dear folks. And that's the kind of lessons that we need to teach ours. Yes, now to this day, I see a bar of soap. I think of that. When I see that yellow bush, it's beautiful in the spring, I think of that. You know, mamas and dads, they don't discipline you because they get fun out of it. They just want you to learn, young people. They just want you to learn. That was the best thing that mama could have done for me. No, I never went back, and I see that boy sometimes that pass on the road, and I think, fella, if you only knew what you caused me to do now is think of soap, you know. But it's, it's all right. And sometimes, y'all, that I want to share this story with you that parents, sometimes they get on your last nerve you got. Sometimes you can't take any more. My dear wife and I, on a Friday evening, decided to go take them to McDonald's. Yes, McDonald's was there back then, too. and They enjoyed it. Everything was McDonald's. After we got through there, went on to the Walmart. That was at that time was north of Franklin, Kentucky. See, sometimes our kids, they get what they wanted, then they want to start acting up, you know. Then they want to go home. They think that they can get the mom and daddy nerves, they're going to go get to go home. Granted, I'm not going to say sometimes that don't happen. But this particular case, we had to go to Walmart to get some things. The kids would not behave. They bickered. They fussed with one another. On and on and on and on. It seemed like on what I said, it didn't happen. We got in the car and got ready to leave. And there they were again, bickering back and forth. We got ready to run out on 31E, and there was a little old man sitting at a market over there on a bench, and he looked rough, y'all. He looked rough. I just shot the car right over there and stopped and went no more than five feet from him. I said, kids, if I hear one more peep out of you, one more peep before I get you home, I'm going to give both of you to that man. <laughs> they, they raised up. You could hear a pin drop. That was the most peaceful ride I ever had coming back. I don't know if it was the right thing to do, but it was a peaceful ride. And my daughter, as smart as that little cookie is, as soon as we turned in the driveway, she knew we were home. Mama, then you know, looked up at me. Do I say anything or not? She says, yes, honey. Was Daddy really going to give us to that man? Well, I looked in the rearview mirror because I watched him all the way home. She looked at me and she said, no, honey, he was not. But that's okay. It was a peaceful ride, Joe. <laughs> so I'm not saying that at times you can't have all you, all you can stand. I know that, and it happens. But I dealt with it what I thought I had to do at the time. Another thing that we can give our children, teach our children, and show our children, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 7, tells us the greatest definition of love ever written is found in verses 4 through 7. As our time is getting away from us, say love is patient, 
Love is kind. Love is not envy. Love is not puffed up. It does not boast. It is not prideful. Love is unselfish. Love does not act with rudeness. Love is hope. Love does not get angry. Love holds up under anything. Loves for the, love looks for the best in everything. Dear parents, show love. Does your children, does your children see love between you and your spouse? You know, the kids used to come around out of the corner and say, I don't go in there, mama day's being mushy. You know, it's okay for them to see you love their mother, for the mothers to love their daddy. It's okay to reach on with her, and even today, y'all, even here, you grab your spouse's hand and hold on to it. You know, don't let that love die. Don't let it go away. And definitely don't lose it when you have your children, y'all. Raise those children with love. You can't go wrong. And the last thing that I want to mention about what we could teach them is prayer. Prayer is mentioned in one form or the other, prayer, prayer, prayed, praying, over 130 times in the Bible. I can see right now as a child, and we sit down at the table all together. That was something that had to be done. We sat as a family together. Sometimes we'd hold hands. But I can reach on with her. I love sitting beside my daddy, that big old calloused hand. But I love to reach over and just touch him as he prayed. What a blessing to know prayer and to know what prayer does for each one of us here as we raise our children, but as now. Praying as a family, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you when you have a meal to come together. Don't run off in the other rooms. Don't send your kids. Do that together. Let them know that, that you're home. You know, we had old black and white TV, barely had running water in our home. But we sat down and watched TV as together. That's what we did as a family. It was a family program. I don't know, I know young people, you don't know it, but it was the Waltons. If I encourage you parents, if you find it, let these young people sit down and watch that. It was so touching and so warm. And probably the worst show that we ever got to watch together. Hmm. Now, I guess I wasn't supposed to say it because I just went blank. Was Hee Haw? That was the first, that was the one we got to watch. Was Hee Haw? As a family, yes. And I guess because Daddy said sometimes them girls shouldn't be wearing clothes that way. I remember Dad say that. But he let us enjoy Hee Haw together. Children, the phones you have today are a privilege. We didn't even have a clue of what a cell phone was. If you talk about a cell, we talk about place in jail, you know. We didn't know about that. No, no. The world is different. I know that. Be careful what you watch on TV. Be careful what you use your phones for. There's two young people that's in this auditorium that are grown now. I watched them their whole life. I watched them come up and what they become. You see on Friday nights, 
I didn't get to go to the ball games and do the things that, that a lot of kids do. But when my kids come along and they ask, Dad, can we go to a ball game? I didn't drop them off. I went with them, dear folks. I sat down with them. But Aaron and Timothy, I knew where they were at every Friday night. I knew where they were at on Tuesday night at the times. Every ball game, basketball game, and football game that went on. You see, they sat right beside me. They were in the band, but I was right between my two children. If they went, I went. One reason is because nobody can tell me where my children were or what they were doing because I was right there with them. And there's many stories that I could tell you, y'all, that, that I had been called and that children were blamed. But I said, no, not when you're there with them. You knew what was going on. And you knew in your heart, yes, your child's a child and something could happen, but you want to believe that they were listening to you. But go places with them, y'all. Be a family. You'll have your time, mothers and fathers, to be by themselves when they're grown. You'll have that. But right now you have that awesome responsibility and you be there for them and, and don't give up on them. I want to share one other thing with you, young people. I'm going to turn it completely around. 25 years ago, I was given this article. 25 years ago, Erin heard that. I know she's not here with us this morning. And Timmy with was his father because his father was a preacher. But Aaron heard this along with many of the children that here have done gone on. But it's a poem for teenagers. And I want to share it with you. And please listen, children. Jeannie was so happy about the house that they had found for Winston. For once in her life, it was on the right side of town. She unpacked her things with such great ease as she watched her new curtains blow in the breeze. How wonderful it was to have her own room. School would be starting. She'd have friends over soon. They'd be sleepovers and parties. She was so happy. It's just the way she wanted her life to be. On the first day of school, everyone, everything went great. She made new friends and even got a date. She thought, I want to be popular, and I'm going to be, because I just got a date with the star of the team. To be known in this school, you had to have a clout, and dating this guy would sure help her out. There was only one problem stopping her fate. Her parents had said she was too young to date. Well, I just won't tell them the entire truth. They won't know the difference. What's there to lose? Jeannie asked to stay with her friends that night. Her parents frowned, but said all right. Excited, she got ready for the big event. But as she rushed around like she had no sense, she began to feel guilty about all the lies. But what's a pizza, a party, and a moonlight ride? Well, the pizza was good and the party was great, but the moonlight ride would have to wait. For Jeff was half drunk by this time, but he kissed her and said that he was just fine. Then the room filled with smoke and Jeff took a puff as Jenny couldn't believe he was smoking that stuff. Now Jeff was ready to ride to the point, but only after he smoked another joint. 
They jumped in the car for the moonlight ride, not thinking that he was too drunk to drive. They finally made it to the point at last, and Jeff started trying to make a pass. A pass is not what Jeannie wanted at all, and by pass I don't mean playing football. Perhaps my parents were right. Maybe I am too young. Boy, how could I ever be so dumb? With all of her might, she pushed Jeff away. Please take me home. I don't want to stay. Jeff cranked up the engine and floored the gas. In a matter of seconds, they were going too fast. As Jeff drove on in a fit of wild anger, Jeannie knew that her life was in danger. She begged and pleaded for him to slow down, but he just got faster as they neared the town. Just let me get home. I'll confess that I lied. I really went out for a moonlight ride. Then all of a sudden, she saw a big flash. Oh, God, please help me. We're going to crash. She doesn't remember the force of the impact, just that everything all of a sudden went black. She felt someone remove her from the twisted rubble and heard, Can an ambulance? Call an ambulance. These kids are in trouble. Voices she heard, a few words at best, but she knew there was two cars involved in the wreck. She wondered to herself if Jeff was all right and if the people in the other car were all right, alive. She awoke in a hospital, two faces so sad. You've been a wreck, and it looks pretty bad. These voices echoed inside her head as they gently told her that Jeff was dead. They said, Jeannie, we've done all we can do, but it looks as if we're going to lose you too. But the people in the other car, Jeannie cried. We're sorry, Jeannie. They also died. Jeannie prayed, God, forgive me for what I've done. I only wanted to have just one night of fun. Tell those people's family I made their lives dim, and I wish I could return their families to them. Tell mom and dad I'm sorry I lied, and that I, my, it's my fault so many have died. Oh, nurse, won't you please tell them that for me? The nurse just stood there. She never agreed, but took Jenny's hand with tears in her eyes, and a few moments later, Jenny died. A man asked the nurse, why didn't you do your best to bid that girl her one last request? She looked at the man, the man with the eyes so sad, because the people in the other car was her mom and dad. <laughs> Young people, this story is sad and unpleasant, but it's true. So young people, take the heat. I don't want it to be you. And I know your parents and grandparents and nobody in here don't want nothing like this to happen. Young girls, you don't have to dress in a way to get the young boy's attention. They're watching you. God instilled into a young boy to watch, to look, to pick out the girls he wants. You see, Dad instilled me to look for a lady. And that's what I did. And that's what you want to do, to look for a lady. Young ladies, y'all look for a gentleman. So young ladies, be ladies. Young gentlemen, be gentlemen. And keep that in your hearts forever. Our time is up. It's gone. I didn't know that I would go this far. But it's 11 o'clock, okay? So I want to ask you that you can't go back and change the beginning, 
You can't go back and change even tomorrow. You can't go back and change this morning. But you can start right now and change the inning. I asked you this morning, where is your heart? Is it out somewhere where it's not around God? Is your heart for God? Have you done the things that God wants you to do? Are you living for yourself? To each one of you that listened to me this morning, I asked you and I plead with you, if you're not living and doing the things that God wants you to do, if you have brought sadness and hurt on your family and to the Lord, make it right. Are you getting away from your parents and doing the things that you want to do and you know that it's not right? Think about it. Make it right. We're not promised the next hour. If you haven't took God, loved him, and gone into baptism, permission of your sins, I encourage you to do that. Whatever it might be, if we can help you with, make sure your heart is right with God. Will you come now as we stand and sing?